Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Journey Church. My name is Randy. It's great to have you with us today, if you're a guest especially. Uh, we're just grateful that you've come out to worship with us and share. Uh, we are uh, in a series that we've been in a few, uh, week, few weeks now entitled Come and Worship or Come to Worship. And uh, we're really excited about that, what God's doing and how He's kind of creating a hunger inside of us to see Jesus and to worship Jesus in a, in a deeper way. So uh, it's great to have you with us today. Uh, you know, uh, several years ago, a man named O. Henry, which is a strange name, but he wrote a short story you probably heard of called The Gift of the Magi. And it's an old story. It's about a, a couple, Della and Jim, a young couple who are very much in love but very poor. And I was thinking about how poor would they be today. I was thinking these people were so poor, so poor, they did not have smartphones or data plans. So that gives you some idea of how poor they were back in their day, all right? But one Christmas Eve, Della decides that she's going to buy a gift for Jim. And it was her first marriage, to, first uh, Christmas together as a couple. And uh, she wanted to buy this gift, but she didn't have enough money. And she knew what she wanted to buy. She wanted to buy this platinum fob chain for his uh, pocket watch. It was a family heirloom uh, that had been passed down. And so she wanted to buy this chain for him. And uh, so in desperation, she decided to sell her most valuable item or possession which was her hair. She had beautiful long hair. She had her hair cut off and sold the hair to buy this watch chain for her husband. When she looked in the mirror, she was shocked, but she knew it was worth it to have given this great gift. So anyway, when Jim comes home, he looks at Della and he is shocked. And, and he said, what have you done? And she said, but Jim, don't look at me like that because I had to do this. The only way I could get this incredible gift for you was to, give, uh, to cut off my hair. And so she gave him the watch chain. And in silence, Jim, if you know the story, you know where we're going. Jim uh, took a package from his pocket, and he handed it to her to unwrap. And what she discovered was a set of beautiful combs for her long hair that she had cut off. And he said to her, the only way I could buy those was to sell the watch that had been passed down through my family, and I'm sure they collapsed in laughter. But O'Henry said this, he said, of all who give and receive gifts, such as they are the wisest. They are the Magi. Well, we've been talking for a few weeks based on the Magi, the ones who came to bring the gifts, the extreme gifts, the generous gifts that they're going to bring and give and give to Jesus when he was born. And today in this series, we're, the series, the title is to bring your gifts, which is appropriate on Christmas Eve, I believe. We're all about gift giving and receiving about this time. And uh, if you've been with us the last couple of weeks, I've been encouraging you uh, just encouraging you to say, you know what, encourage you to bring a gift today to worship Jesus, some kind of gift to give to Him. And we're going to talk uh, about the first gifts that were given at Christmas time, and we're going to go to Matthew chapter 2, and we read this scripture last week as well, but let's kind of get our subject online by, uh, by jumping into Matthew 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and they asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw a star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. Now, we don't know a ton about them. In fact, a lot of people suggest they probably weren't even Jewish people. They were probably foreigners from far, far away. But they'd seen a new star that, was, uh, that had been uh, discovered or was established when Jesus was born. And the star seemed to move. If we kind of read the, the kind of between the lines, it seemed to move, and they follow this star uh, we've written songs about that, and they came to, uh, to Jerusalem, uh, which was the largest city nearby, and they were trying to find Jesus. Someone had said they had probably traveled about a thousand miles at a snail's pace 
more than likely taken months, if maybe not even a year or so, but they wanted to come and find this new king. And so they come to Jerusalem, and the, thing, the place they would first search would be the palace, which is where you would look for a king. And they go to the palace, and they ask for the, the king, and King Herod at the time, he had no idea who this was or what it was about. Instantly jealous, he began uh, planning to kill Jesus or kill the newborn king. But the story goes on to say that the wise men went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. So the star, as it moved along, they followed. And by this time, no doubt, they were exhausted. But the closer they got, the more they sensed, we're about to find this newborn king. And they found the child. They were overjoyed. Now, the language that's used there is not just that they were happy and excited because they had, their trip was over and they found their goal. But instead, is they rejoiced with a huge, humongous, overwhelming, overarching joy. In fact, it's kind of hard to imagine or describe how happy they were to find Jesus. And it wasn't just that their goal had been reached and they you know, accomplished the bucket list thing. It was instead that they had found a new king and that this was the Messiah that had been promised by God to save people from their sins. Now, that's a Christmas story. And for a lot of us today, one of our problems, especially about this time of year, is that we are underjoyed. We are not overjoyed. We are underjoyed that a lot of us don't have a lot of time uh, and a lot of enjoyment about this time of year. Some people don't even like Christmas. I've heard people say, I hate this time of year. I hate what it means. I hate, you know, everything that's going on and, and what we've made of it. And, and most of us aren't any better the rest of the year either. Because I would imagine that those of us who have found Jesus, we ought to be overjoyed. We ought to be full of joy. We ought to be the happiest people in the world. And we ought to be expressing that with a smile, with our uplifted hands we talked about last week and hearts, with worship in our hearts and joy. We ought to be the most joyful people in the world. These wise men were. They came with joy. And here's what it says. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So how did they come to, how did they respond to the king? Did they come to the king and say, hey, we'd like for you to give us something because you're the king. Uh, we've traveled so far and what do you have for us? No, they're coming to worship him as they came and they bowed down and they gave him gifts. They gave him gifts. And if you've read the story, you know what the gifts probably were. There was a gift of gold that represented kingship. It's what gold kind of represented. There was frankincense that represented a priestly role. Jesus would be the priest. He would be the one that went between man and God. And the third uh, gift was myrrh, which was a strange gift for a baby because it was used in the burial process, but reminding that Jesus was born actually to die, to die for the sins of his people. And all of these were very valuable gifts. And I'm sure that a young couple, a poor couple like Mary and Joseph were probably overwhelmed by the, the value of these gifts. What would they do with them? I've always kind of wondered what they did with these gifts, especially some of the ones that weren't very practical. But if you go on and read the rest of the story, you know that the wise men, after worshiping Jesus, after giving him the gift, that the wise men, they left and they went home a different way. They did not go back and tell Herod where the baby was. Bethlehem was a few miles outside of Jerusalem and not that far from Herod, but they didn't go back and tell Herod where the baby was. They went home another way 
And I've often thought that more than likely, Mary and Joseph used these expensive gifts to finance a trip. Now that might seem odd, you know, why would they go on a trip? Well, the rest of the story is that Herod tried to kill the baby Jesus uh, by, by instituting a law that every child under the age of two would be put to death to try to take care of this newborn king. And more than likely, uh, the, the trip that Mary and Joseph took to Egypt to get away had to be financed by something. That's just my thoughts. Uh, but these gifts were very practical. They made a difference in their life. The wise men worshipped him by giving gifts. And they were overjoyed to do so. And I was just thinking about, how, how, is that how we give to Jesus today? When we think about giving gifts, about this time of year, you know, and many of us love to give, how do we give our gifts to people? And how do we give our gifts to Jesus today? Do we give them to him with generosity and great joy, or is it with hesitancy and reluctance? You know, when it comes to this time of year, you really can't think about the time without, without giving. And what I've discovered is that for many people, giving, other than Christmas time, is a difficult subject. It really is. And it's easy for us to be offended by that because money has so much power in our lives. It, it really, to many people, is everything. It's all they ever think about. Now, all of us, obviously, we have money, but we don't want anyone telling us what to do with it, not even God. I mean, you want to get into an argument with someone really quick, start telling them what to do with their money, how to invest their money, or what they should do, or how, you know, how they should spend their money. That People don't want to know that. All of us, obviously, we have money. We, we have things we have to spend our resources on. You know, we have housing. But we probably, most of us, go beyond basic housing, don't we? I mean, really, it comes down to a choice of what we want to spend it on. Most of us don't just have the basic house. We are always thinking about upgrading our home. We have transportation, but we're not just concerned about getting around. We're also concerned about a nicer vehicle. We have clothes, but we're looking for better clothes, better things. It's how kind of our thoughts are. So basically, it's what we want for ourselves. And many times, giving back to God, giving a gift to God, and others is maybe it's not even in the budget. But here's what I've discovered is that when we decide to give our life to Jesus and we understand the gift that he's given to us, it oftentimes takes a time, a while for us to start thinking about giving back to him. It takes a while to start returning. You know, these wise men, they were wise, and immediately they thought, there's a king, let's go give him a gift. And that's just not the way we think sometimes. What I've discovered is that when people become Christians, sometimes they have these suspicions, but at some point as we mature spiritually, we start to figure out that God has given us everything that we have and that God is just asking us to give some of it back to him. Not because he needs it, but because we need to worship him through giving. The whole idea I want to get understand today is that giving to God is a way that we worship him. And just like the wise men, whenever we give, we find overwhelming joy, overwhelming joy in giving. And here's why. Here, here's the simple reason. And maybe, maybe you've not thought this through. When you give a gift uh, tomorrow morning or tonight or whenever, whenever you give a gift to someone, you're going to feel a joy just in the giving. And the reason is because when you love someone, you want to give something to them. That's just the way that God has made us. John 3.16 is the best example. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That God loved us enough, and the first thing that came to God's mind, I'm going to give. I'm going to give. God saw that man had a need, that mankind was broken and separated by sin, and God acted to fix that quickly. So he gave his son 
a part of himself to come to our earth to die to pay the price for our sins so that anyone who puts their faith and trust in him will be saved, will have their sins forgiven. That's an incredible gift that God's given to us. And Romans 5 goes on to say, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That not only did Jesus come some, you know, on Christmas and we worship that symbolically through our holiday, but more importantly, God gave us the ultimate gift. And now he gives us all kind of other good things in life as well. And the way that we acknowledge this is to give back to him, not only our lives, but also their finances as well. It's a way that we worship God. Now, maybe you're here today and you kind of struggle with giving. Maybe it doesn't make sense to you. It just doesn't add up uh, uh, in some ways. But here's what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. What it says basically is don't lean on your own understanding. Don't try to figure it out. You know, when it comes to finances and investments, all those, we, we try to say, I, I have a, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm kind of blind on this. And we all went through school. We all know what subtraction is. We say, how can I, how can I have more if I give some away? How can I do that? But that's how God works, by the way. The Bible says, trust in him, take him at his word. It goes on to say, don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. In other words, God's going to provide and bless you if you obey him. God's going to provide for you always. So David says, worship him with your wealth, with what you have, with the first fruits. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Now, what is the word first fruits? Because that's not a word that I use very often. What is a first fruit? Well, a first fruit is the first of our income. See, God set a principle very early in time that we should always bring a part of what we grow or earn and give it to him. And so the first fruits is kind of the idea of the crops that you raise. Now, thankfully, none of, most of us, I won't say none, but most of us would not survive on what we raise. We might raise a little garden and tomatoes are good, you know, in the summer, but we wouldn't want to live the whole year on what we raise. So that, you know, we're not an agricultural group. Most of us aren't. But fortunately, we can survive otherwise because most of us have jobs that we do have an income. In that day, it was of first fruits. Today, it's, it's part of what we earn. So God established this idea of saying he's given so much to us that a part of what we do is we give back to him. We give the first fruits. We give off the top. That's kind of what first means. And then he also talks about the tithe. He says the tithe is one-tenth of what he trusts us with. So he says the amount of that, top, that first fruit is, is a tenth of what we have. And so that's a way for us to acknowledge that God's the giver of all good things, that, and it's a step of faith. I mean, for all of us, giving is always a step of faith, but it's also an act of worship. It's an act of worship. And whenever we do this, the Bible says God will open up the windows of heaven and pour out so many blessings that we'll never have room even to contain these, these blessings. Now, i got to admit, I'm human like everybody else, and that sounds a little crazy because I was in school as well, and I know that 90% is less than 100%. But in God's economy, God has a way of making that work. And God says, you know, I want you to just recognize me. I want you to give back to me. What a great time of year it is to think about giving. And God says, think about giving to me as, as well. Don't limit your giving just to other people that you care for. If you love me, I want you to give me, to me as well. 
And God says, when you give, think about giving to me first. Why? Because God doesn't want our leftovers. Because to be honest with you, when it comes to money, there really aren't any leftovers. There really aren't. Hopefully, you're wise enough to say, you know what, I need to put some aside. I need to budget for the expenses I have. But when we do that, there really isn't a lot left over at the end of the day, right, for most of us. So here's the principle. We bring our first and our best, and then we trust God to bless the rest. We bring our first and our best, and we trust God to bless the rest. You know what? Those of you here, 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 who are here today and, and you are, are a tither or a giver, you know I'm telling the truth. Some of you are probably nodding and say, this is just how it works. We don't understand it, but that's just how it works. And at this point in life, you know, I, you really couldn't pay me enough to stop, stop giving to God because I know how God blesses. The, the, the writer of Psalms says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. God says, let her trust me and see what I will do for you. And the Bible says that we are to bring our gift to the storehouse, which is the local church, which is where we're nourished and fed and given bread and meat and where other people are fed too, where we're able to experience not only locally, but the message of Jesus going all over the world. Talked about Jamie coming and sharing with us today uh, about the ministry she's doing in New York, a place that most of us will probably never be, but we're able to support the people like Jamie who want to go feel like God are calling them to go to these type of places. And it's true all over the world. And when we bring the first fruits into the storehouse, we're able to spread the message around the entire world. Now, I don't know about you, and if you are a giver, you know that you love to give. You know, I, I love to give. I love the feeling of being partners with God. I love to hear what God's doing. That's one thing that we try to do very often is we try to bring people in that, that we as a church are giving into their ministry or let you know what's going on and during our impact time, so that you realize that you are a partner with God. That you, even though you may never get to New York, that you're a partner with Jamie. That you're helping her do what God's called her to do. And so many people around the world, that's a big part of being a part of God's family. But I also love to give because I personally know that I've been blessed. I've been blessed far beyond what I ever thought I would experience. And secretly, there's another part of me, the human part. I can't wait to see how God's going to bless going forward. A little bit selfish, I guess. I want to know what God's going to do. I want to know how he's going to provide for our family and, and our church family. And I'm excited about that. And why I'm talking about this is because I don't want you to miss that for yourself. I feel like there's so many people kind of rob themselves. They never get to experience being a true partner with God to understand what God's doing because this is something that they're not willing to let go of. I want you to have that for yourself. But I'll be honest with you, it's a lot more than giving an actual gift of money. It really is more. Because the Bible says that our giving reveals where our heart is. This is what Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's why our giving is an act of worship. Whenever we give to an individual, a child or a parent or sibling, friend, you know, it's showing that our heart kind of turn toward them, that we love this person. And whenever we give to God, it reveals that our heart is feeling loving toward him. Jesus said this, where your treasure, there your heart is also. And that's why we worship by our giving. And as we give, we understand that God in turn blesses other people as well. You know, in a lot of ways, we really can't think about Christmas until we think and talk about giving. And all of us can probably remember the best gift that we ever received for Christmas 
you know, it might be interesting to kind of turn around and say, hey, what was the best gift you ever got? What was the best, best gift you ever gave to someone? Those things stick in our mind, don't they? Because they, they, they show that someone cared for us or we really wanted to give somebody a great gift. What I've discovered is the more that we mature, the less we start thinking about receiving, the more we think about giving. And we realize that we, most of us, have everything we need and most of what we want. And the greatest joy really doesn't come from getting something. It, go, it comes from giving to somebody else. Watching other people open up their gifts, anticipating their response. This is what Paul said in, in Acts chapter 20. He said, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And so when you get that blessing or that, that sense of fulfillment or satisfaction by seeing someone else receive the gift well, understand that's a natural response to the love that God has for us. Now, I do have to be honest. I, I still like to receive. So if you've got a gift for me, you know, that's, I'm not saying don't give it or anything, all right? Um, but I really want the blessings that come from giving. I really want that. And I want God's promise to bless beyond my giving. I want that continued flow. I want the assurance that I will never miss what I give away. You know, that struck me a while back to think that, that what I have given away, I never miss that. And you'll probably experience that as well, whether it's money, whether it's time, whether it's, you know, a tangible thing, whatever it is, you give it away and you never miss it. You're never like, I wonder what happened to that. No, it's gone with your blessing, with God's blessing, and, and we never miss that. And knowing that God and I are working together to bless other people, the personal joy that comes from knowing that maybe a little bit of somebody's life a little bit better, maybe by what I gave in some way, that's the kind of blessings that I think gets, that we receive whenever we give. And I really want that for you today as well. I really want to encourage you to do that. And so um, a, few, a couple of weeks ago, I started encouraging you to think about maybe to, to give a gift of some time today. And uh, if you're a, a consistent giver uh, and you bring the gift into the storehouse in a consistent way, I would encourage you in some way to consider a little bit extra, uh, maybe a little extra to help experience a little more sacrifice and to grow your faith a little bit more. So I kind of encourage you to do that. If, if you give occasionally and, uh, and you have to admit, you know, when I give, it really isn't a sacrifice and maybe it's what I got in my pocket, maybe it's a minimal thing. If you do that, I want to encourage you to maybe sacrifice a little more and, uh, and maybe give a gift that is a sacrifice, that you have to say, I don't know what I'm going to do about this, but I'm going to trust God if I do it. And, and if you've never given at all, you've never given, and there are a lot of people who have not, would you consider giving just something, even if it's $5 or $1 or whatever it is? Would you consider doing that? Now, I don't ask you to do that for, uh, for the church, honestly, because I will say this, we, uh, uh, God has blessed our church, and we have made our budget. So that's not like we're trying to make a budget run here at all. Uh, we've made our budget. God has been faithful. You guys have been faithful. That's not it at all. And, and in fact, I wanted to tell you that anything that we receive above our regular budget or giving, we're going to give it away anyway. Uh, we're going to give it away to Journey Provisions. And if you're familiar with Journey Provisions, it's kind of a clearinghouse for benevolence in Woodford County. Uh, one year ago, we kind of began this ministry and, and set it free. And, and actually, Heather uh, Nichols, who leads that ministry, is, uh, uh, is out of town right now. But it's become a place to provide a lot of free clothing and household items, even food to people who are in need. Several families have been fed throughout this season through Journey Provisions. And so 
uh, anything that's above our regular giving, we're going to give that away uh, and, and, and help them because they are out of space, if you've ever been there. And we have a new building that they're going to be moving into here in a couple of weeks that uh, someone's been ge- generous to help provide. And so uh, this, this would just kind of help that ministry and helping people in our community. So it's not about giving to the church. It's, we're going to give that away. But I want to encourage you to give because it is what you need to do. It is what, maybe what God's calling you to do. And so uh, there's several ways that you can do that. In just a few moments, we're going to receive our offering. And if you came prepared to give today, that's great. I would encourage you, uh, however you want to give, a check, a cash, whatever. Uh, we, know, uh, we know that a lot of people don't use that. And so what I wanted to kind of walk you through was to help you do that. I want to kind of show you our secure online giving. And I, I want to emphasize the word secure because all of us are a little cautious about that. Uh, but we have our church set up with an organization called Simple Give. And uh, it is very, very secure. We, we use this all the time, Lori and I do, uh, on a recurring basis. But if you've not used it, I want to encourage you to do it. Uh, it's really simple. Uh, you can go to j- uh, j- uh, journeyky.church is, is what you can do. You can go directly to the site by doing slash give or just go to our website. And uh, then there's a place you can click online. In the middle of the page, a little green box that says give online. And uh, then you can register or you can click uh, quick give, which is just a one-time thing. You can do that. And then fill in the info and you, you can hit submit. So if you want to give online, I would encourage you to do that. That's a very simple, easy way to do that right now, or you can do it when you get home or whatever it is. But here's the thing. I want to ask you to do this as an act of worship, not an act of obedience, not of duty, not obligation, not guilt, anything at all. I just want to encourage you to do this out of worship, to say, God, I'm going to give something. I'm going to bring this and give it to you, like the wise men. And when you do this, I want to encourage you to imagine that you are one of the wise men, in this case, maybe a wise woman, and you're coming and you're kneeling at the manger of the baby Jesus. And you're realizing that this little child had come, the Son of God, to give his life one day to save the world. To kind of have that picture in your mind, this is why you're giving, that God has given you everything. Now, God is, you know, he has the right to demand that we give everything to him, but instead he decided to give because he loved us. And what he really wants from us is for us to give. Primarily, and most of all, he wants our life. But he knows that once he gets our life, then, then everything we else, else we have is his. It's available to, to him. And he wants your allegiance. And so this morning, I guess that would be my greatest call, and I can't think of a better time than today for you like Sarah and Jack to say, you know, I want to give my life to Jesus I want to acknowledge him as the giver of my life, first of all, and the giver of all good things, and secondly, the giver of his son, Jesus Christ, to forgive me of my sins. And so if you're here this morning and you've never given that, never made that commitment to follow Jesus, then I want to encourage you to make that decision, and you can talk to me about that after the service. I'd love to have that conversation with you, that he really wants you to follow him, and then everything else will follow. And when you do that, you're going to discover the true meaning of Christmas, not just that a baby was born, but more importantly, that a Savior has come into our world, and you want to get, you're going to want to give him everything. So this morning, as we consider that, I'm going to ask if you would just to bow with me for a word of prayer, and then our guys are going to receive our offering, and then we're going to continue our worship time. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, and Lord, we, uh, we know that we are broken and that we are in need. God, we know that when you look down, you see us as poverty-stricken. And that doesn't come from our financial 
position. It comes from our sin place that all of us are broken and need your forgiveness and your hope, your healing. God, thank you that you loved us enough to give us your only son, to come into our world, to live a perfect life, and then to die for our sins. And Lord, to acknowledge that our natural response to you giving so much to us is to give back, first of all, our lives in submission to you. And then, Lord, to give as we've been blessed. So, God, I pray today that as we do receive this offering, that it it is an act of worship. It is a way that we can just say, God, I know you gave me everything, and I want to worship you, not of obligation, not just obeying a command to do so, but just a pure act of worship and adoration. God, we love you, and we worship for you. We pray these things in Jesus' name.